in this series, <clears throat> we, ha we have a, a connecting passage. Uh, it was our memory verse for last week, right? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Um, how many of you know that passage? How many of you memorized it last week? Um, this is, if you, if you learn, learn any, any verses by heart, this is one. This is one that's so important for us to just to hide in our hearts. This, um, this last week, I, I read, a, read a, a little report about uh, believers in China where the, the, the government is clamping down on Christianity again, and there's believers who are memorizing the Word of God. So, you know, even they take my Bible away. I can't take, take the Word of God that I've hidden in my heart, but... Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Let's see if we remember this, right? Trust in the Lord, right? Trust in the Lord with half of my heart, all of my heart, right? Trust in the Lord with all of my heart, lean not on my own understanding, right? Acknowledge him in all, all our ways, right? And then God is faithful, he will, he will guide us. He will lead us. He will direct our paths. And this is the promise that we can know and we can, we can hold on to and, and trust. And this whole week, when we're talking, or these, these few weeks, this month, we're talking about God is greater than. God is greater than. We're, we're talking about trusting God for these, these areas. So this morning, we're going to be talking about God is greater than our goodness. And this is very relevant because we often, like, we don't even know we're doing it, but we're trusting in our own goodness. We trust in our own goodness, our own good intentions. We trust in each other's good intentions and that I think you're a good person, so I will trust you. And then what happens? I get very disappointed to find out you're not quite as good as I thought you were, right? And... Uh, but there's, there's a message in the, in the word of God, the gospel, the good news is God is greater than our goodness, right? So we're going to be looking at a number of passages. There's actually two parts to the message. The first is going to be in Genesis, and the second part is going to be in Isaiah, okay? So the backstory to this is it starts right away in the book of Genesis, um, what, what is the first mention of good, goodness in the Bible? Does anybody have a reference to that? When is the first time good is mentioned? Right, right away in creation, right? God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God looked, and he says, the light is good, right? Everything God did was good. Chapter, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, he concludes it. He said, it is very good. This is God's character. This is his nature. He is absolutely good. There is nothing, n there is no shadow of turning, it says in, in the book of James. Like he's like, he is, he is all good. God is good. Everything he does is good. He cannot do anything that falls short of what is good. So then, but in Genesis chapter 2, and if you're following along in your little guide here, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, we have two trees. It says, out of, the out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow 
that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Notice the name of that tree. The knowledge of good and evil. And then it goes on in verse 15. It says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden and t- to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely. This is amazing. You're free. You're free. Eat whatever you want freely. It is all good. But then verse 17, there's one restriction. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. Of this one tree, the knowledge of good and evil, do not eat it. For in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. You will surely die. So this is very clear, right? Adam and Eve, all, everything, you're free to eat. One tree, don't eat. The story continues then in chapter 3. In verse uh, 4, the serpent comes into the garden. This is actually Satan disguised as a a beautiful creature. Smooth speaking, a friend. And he speaks with Eve. And And he asks, did God really say you can't eat of any of the trees of the garden? And she says, no, we can eat of the trees of the garden, just the one. We cannot eat it. We cannot touch it. Or we will die. What's Satan's, the liar's response? The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. What a liar. What a liar. You will not surely die. And then he explains, for in verse 5, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves coverings. So when they ate that fruit... From that tree, there was a knowledge that entered into the hearts of Adam and Eve, and not just to them. That has passed down. That knowledge of good and evil has passed down to every generation following. And this is in our hearts also, the knowledge of good and evil. And then this knowledge, it it, it makes me the judge. It makes me the arbitrator between what is good and what is evil. I become the center focus. And this is what the cause of our arguments and our disagreements and wars. I'm better than you. I'm good. You're not good. Why are you doing that? That's not good. Or it flips over. I I condemn myself. I recognize, wow, I'm not good. But it's all self-centered. It's self-focused. God has been removed from the center of understanding good and evil. And notice it is, you know, there's two sides to this tree. There is good and there is evil. 
but they both produce death. What is this death? Well, it's a separation from life. It's a separation from God. This is what happened when Adam and Eve, they ate. They immediately became separated from the Spirit of God. And now what? We're naked. We need to hide. We need to cover. This covering of fig leaves, this is the first manifestation of human goodness. Our goodness I recognize there's a problem. I'm going to cover it up. I'm going to do some good work. So in this, is the, in the, this is the first of the two, two coverings or two tunics. I, I, I have it listed here as a two, two tunics, but actually the word here is just loincloth. It's a, it's a poor covering. Anyone have fig trees in their backyard? They have huge leaves, big leaves. When they're fresh, it's probably a very good covering. But what happens the next day? Whoop! They shrink. They get dried out, and ah, I'm not covered anymore. And this is this is a great picture of human goodness. We cover ourselves, and it's only temporary. But in in the following verse, in chapter three, verse twenty-one, we have God's goodness, a second tunic. What does it say? Verse 21, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. It's a little verse. Nick Zagaruga was telling me, I never saw, like I never saw, I never thought about that verse deeply before. But think about it. What is that? He made tunics of skin. That was a sacrifice. Skin comes from an animal that is killed and a blood offering. What is the penalty for sin? It is death. Adam and Eve, yes, they spiritually died that day, but also they should have both been killed. God should have executed them both right then. And and nothing would continue. Human race would be over. But what did God do? God provided a sacrifice. Two innocent sheep died in their place. And God created and and through the blood sacrifice made a covering, a a good, a good covering. Not human goodness, God's goodness through a blood offering to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. And that's just the beginning of the story and we see it right away here in Genesis chapter chapter 2 and chapter 3. And... um, Human goodness, man's goodness. Human goodness, I, I, I lived, you know, human goodness is so deceptive. If you have, I, I lived nine years in Thailand. Thai people are so nice. They're so good. They're so polite. It's a land of smiles. Beautiful people. And you imagine, you know, this is actually one of the difficulties of being a foreign missionary sometimes. You go and you meet some of the nicest people, good people. And what's our message? You're a sinner. You need a savior. And that's sometimes, like many missionaries actually stumble over this. And this is something we need to get straight in our own hearts, that human goodness looks good to to me, the judge. When I am the judge, when the knowledge of good and evil is judging, I, I see a lot of good people. Oh, he has such a good heart. Oh, what a good boy. Oh, good people there. But what does God say? 
What is God's, you know, am I going to trust, put all the trust of my heart into human goodness? It's dangerous. It's, it's a false hope. So now let's go to Isaiah. There's five passages, passages in Isaiah. Anybody read Isaiah recently? It's a book that we, it's, it's, it's a book I, you know, I, I, haven't, I don't really remember the last time I read all the way through it. But um, Isaiah is such an amazing book. Between the book of Psalms and the book of Isaiah, these are the two most quoted and referred to passages in the New Testament. Over four, 400 references or allusions to the book of Isaiah, quotes in the book of Isaiah that's in the New Testament. So we're just going to look at five, okay? In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 6 and 8, 6 through 8, it speaks about the goodness of man, our goodness. Look what it says. I, I saw this verse about six months, seven months ago for the first time. It's like amazing. It explains so much. This passage speaks about John the Baptist, the voice crying in the wilderness. Notice this in verse 6. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. Now notice that in verse 6. It says, all flesh is like like the grass, it's their loveliness, their actually the goodness, the beauty of flesh is like what? It's like a flower. It says, like a flower. Men, any, any husbands bring your wives flowers? Say I love you, and say no. Here's some nice fresh flowers. And they stay on the, in the vase maybe one week, two weeks, one month. What happens to those flowers? They get rotten, right? You spill that water out and get it on your clothes. It stinks. This is the illustration of, of our goodness. Yes, there is a beauty because God created us. God created us in his image. He created all things. There's like a, a residual beauty that continues and a goodness, but it's only temporary. It, will, it is not eternal. The goodness of man is not something for us to trust in because it, it's rotting like the flower. What is the one thing that is eternal here? It's the word of God, right? The word of God. We are put our trust in God's word, not in our goodness. We put, we're learning to put our trust in God's goodness because his goodness is eternal. The second passage is in Isaiah 53. Perhaps one of the most important passages in the Bible to speak about the, 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 is a prophecy of Christ's coming. And this is revealing the goodness of God. It's not like a flower. In verse 4 and 5, 
Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. In verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before its shearers is silent. Here is the goodness of God, like a lamb that is sacrificed. The goodness of God, very different than the goodness of man. The goodness of God lays its life down for sinners, loves sinners, takes our sin upon himself. This is the goodness of God that we can trust in. Amen? Now look at the next passage in Isaiah chapter 61. Here we see again the goodness of God. Isaiah 61, verse 10 and 11. He says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has clothed me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Verse 11, for as the earth brings forth its bud, As the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Here the the word God's goodness uses the word righteousness. God's righteousness, God's goodness. What does it look like? One, it looks like a robe that he gives as a gift to grace of grace to everyone who believes. It's a robe that he provides just like he did to Adam and Eve in the garden. God made the garments of skin. He gives us a robe of righteousness. Whose righteousness is that? Is it our righteousness? Is it something we produce, something we earn? It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's the righteousness of God that he gives to to us as a gift. And he puts it on us like a robe. It's our covering. I don't have to to live in pretending that I'm a good, you know, a good guy with fig leaves. Changing, I need to change my fig leaves every day. It's like, no, we are wrapped in a robe of righteousness in garments of salvation that have been given to us as a gift. This is the goodness of God. We can trust in his goodness that's given to us as a gift and it wraps us. The second part of this in verse 11, the goodness of God is is like a garden. Not a flower, but a garden that that is, that God himself, his life is producing his goodness and his righteousness in our lives. The word of God, the Holy Spirit, as we walk and we, and we continue to depend upon God, the goodness of God comes forth from our lives like a garden. The goodness of God. It is amazing to walk with God. There's nothing greater in this life to live a life trusting God day in, day out. We fail. I fail. Why? Because I, I'm not good. As soon as I begin trusting in my goodness, I'm going to fail. And thank God for that. Thank God for that. 
is that I don't have to live in the delusion that it's my goodness. I can live and rest in the goodness of God. So the next passage is in verse 64. This is a verse everyone needs to know. Isaiah 64, verse 6. Every, everyone, we need to understand this verse. Let this verse go deep. Because even after we've, we've received salvation, we've received the garments of salvation, the robe of righteousness, what happens? I, in, my own, in my own heart, I slide back into trusting my own goodness. I, I, I slide back and try, I'm trying to be a good man, trying to be righteous. What does it say in Isaiah 64, 64 verse 6? But we all, like an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. This is an amazing picture. The, the goodness of man. My, it doesn't even say goodness. It says my righteousness, our righteousness is like filthy rags. The very best that I can produce in myself is actually this very disgusting picture. There's an, and there's a couple different pictures of what is unclean. I'll use the PG version. And is this. You imagine someone with leprosy. They're... they're their body is just rotting off. And they wrap themselves the wounds in bandages. There's no healing for it. Wrap my, wrap my wounds in bandages. The unclean person. In the Bible times, if you were, had leprosy, you'd have to call out ahead of, people, of you and, unclean, unclean, don't come near me. But they wrap themselves in bandages. After a week, you take the bandages off, what do you got? Gross, pus-filled, bloody—you know, just disgusting. And he, and this is what God is saying: It's like I'm bringing my good works to God. God, I'm a, I've been really good this week. Here's my here's my good works. Accept me. And God is like, this is disgusting. The very righteousness of man is gross before holiness. In the presence of God. There is nothing to hope in. In our righteousness. And in our goodness. Does that make sense? Don't trust it. Don't trust it. Like, like, get that out of my heart. Get that out of the, my whole frame of refer reference. Be honest. God, oh, it's like filthy rags. The very best. The last passage is in Isaiah 66. Here's another picture of goodness. This is God's goodness. But it's God's goodness that is in our lives. And we have fellowship with God's goodness. And it's an amazing picture. Isaiah 66, verse 1 and 2, it says, Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, and, earth, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? And where is the place of my rest? Can we build a temple that God will come and dwell in? We cannot. But then look what he says. In answering this question, where will I dwell? Where will I rest? Verse 2, for all those things my, my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one, 
will I look. On this one I will come and dwell. On him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. God says this, this is the person who is my temple. The, the, this is where I will come and make my home. And I will dwell with you. And I will rest. And we, sh- and we rest in the goodness of God. Not, not the man who is boasting in his, in his goodness. But the man, the woman that is trusting in the goodness of God. And I know that is my, my, that's my goodness. That's been imputed to me as a gift of grace. And this is where God rests. And this is where we rest. And this is where we fellowship with God. And the goodness of God. We fellowship with the goodness of God. And we don't live in the delusion. We don't live in the delusion that I'm good. I'm trying to be good. I'm, do, I'm doing my best. What, is it, what, is it, what does that mean if I say, well, I'm doing my best. I'm trying my hardest. I'm trying to be a good person. What is it saying? I'm trusting in myself. I am my own judge. I am depending upon my knowledge of good and evil that is deep in my heart. Good and evil. Is the good good? It's not good. It brings death. Both the good side of the tree and the evil side of the tree brings separation from fellowship with God, which is death. Both. I'm living, oh, I'm a good man. Oh, how proud am I? It's death. Oh, oh, I'm, you know, I understand what's evil, and I'm not going to do that. You're not going to do that. That, that little, des- that actually trusting in yourself is evil. Like depending upon myself is against God. It's against the goodness of God. And Jesus Christ came to set us free from that. He came to set us free from trusting in ourselves and living, living in the knowledge of good and evil. He came to set us free. And the word of God comes and divides and then you know what? He invites us to the tree of life where we can, we can fellowship with God. You know, in the book of Revelation, the tree of life is one of the rewards for those who walk with God, who are faithful. Is the tree, we will be eating of the tree of life for all eternity. It speaks of fellowship with God. And what happens at the tree of life? God teaches us what is good. God teaches us what is evil. God is the one who's teaching us in a relationship with him. And it is his word. And in Isaiah 66, verse 2 here, we tremble at his word. The humble, the contrite, the broken, the poor in spirit. Oh God, I know nothing as I ought to know it. God, you teach me. And he brings us to the tree of life and we're eating, eating this fruit and his spirit is feeding us. And we put away, put away the, the knowledge of good and evil. Does that make sense? It's so important for us to get this down. This is the gospel, right? This is the gospel. The goodness of man is, is unacceptable to God. Don't trust it. We don't trust it. But we trust him alone. 
And then we can see one another in the goodness of God. We see one another in the goodness of God. Not not in the works of their flesh. Amen? Let's pray.